Genesis 2 and 18 says, And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. Out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was his name. Can you imagine when he brought the duck-billed platypus by? Adam just looked down and said, that's a duck-billed platypus. And God's like, okay, that's, you know, that's, I just, I, I think about that kind of stuff whenever I see, you know, just stuff like that. My mind just goes into places like that. You'll just have to forgive me. And Adam, and so Adam gave names to all the cattle, to the birds of the air, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper comparable to him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman, and he brought her to the man. For the next few moments, I would just simply like to title this message, A Wise Woman. A Wise Woman. Husbands, look at your wives and tell them you are a wise woman. Sons, look at your mothers and say you are a wise woman. I'm just trying to help you out for later, just in case you forgot uh, the card like I did. I'm sorry, Mom. Um, I have a card. It's just not with me. Why don't you smile at someone and let them know that you're glad to see them and you can be seated. When I began to study for this message today, I wanted to understand what it meant whenever God said comparable. Whenever we find the scripture of, of God trying to find a help mate that was comparable to Adam and King James puts it like this, I will make him and help meet for him. And I didn't read it out of the King James just so that I wouldn't have to say that very often because you've heard me speak and apparently I stumble over words every once in a while. But I like the New Living Translation. It says, I will make a helper who is just right for him. I will make a helper that is just right for him. For him. Some translations use the word suitable companion. I will find a suitable companion that is just right for him. When, when I studied, I found that the truest, the truest translation was actually suitable. And so when we would look up and we would, he would say, I'm making a companion and a helper, a helpmate. What he's really saying to them is, I'm making someone that is suitable for Adam. I'm making someone that is comparable to Adam because he looked at all of his creation and the only thing he found that was not good was that Adam was alone. He stood on the balconies of heaven and said, let there be, and then he stepped back and said, it's good. I mean, you know how good you have to be? I mean, he's God. Of course he knows how good he is. But, I mean, he just walks up and says, let there be light, and then suddenly there was light, and he just stepped back. That's good stuff. Angels, that, that, that's good stuff. I mean, that's how amazing he was. He just, he just formed man out of the dust of the earth and he still looked. And, and the only thing that he found that wasn't good is that Adam was not alone. When we find that we're studying, we're, what we're really finding is I dug a little bit deeper into the translation and what it means for comparable in the original. It says that in front of, in sight of, but yet opposite to. 
He said, I want to find someone that is comparable to man, but completely opposite of what he is. I don't know about you, but I am thankful that my wife is completely opposite of everything that I am. I do not have certain abilities like order. She can go into a spreadsheet and she can create just spreadsheets and she can have all of this stuff together and she's showing me all of these things and I'm completely lost by the second tab because my mind just doesn't work that way and she can create all of these things and so what I don't have as a strength she has as an abundant amount of strength and then there are things that I try to get her I tried to get her to teach this Sunday morning and she says no that's not my job that's yours Whenever I did get her to be on the Wednesday night Facebook with me, we couldn't do it live because she said, what if I mess up? And I was like, I do that every Wednesday night. She was like, but that's you. And so we had to record it earlier, and, and, and everything went fine. And I tried to tell her, that's a, that's a street that you've got. And so God is trying to look down and tell us, I, I want to find someone that is going to help you, but it's going to be completely opposite of you. And so I want you to understand that woman was the equivalent to the man. She may not have been able to do certain things that he was able to do, but where he had strength, she had weakness. And her strength, he had weakness. And and when you compared the woman to the man, you could see that they were the same, but yet they were also completely opposite. And so from the definition, I came to this conclusion. This is going to be deep. Ladies, there is nothing on this planet like you. I know, it's completely, it blew your mind, guys. But ladies, I pro- there is nothing on this planet like you. There are other ladies, but there's only one you. And that is what we are going to celebrate this morning is that there is, there is nothing like you. Even though we have nursery rhymes as little boys, these, these kind of things, they just they destroyed me as a young man because during the nursery rhymes, I found out that little girls are made of sugar and spice and everything nice. Figured it would be a lady that said all right or an amen. I, I was surprised some of you didn't start shouting. Yes, that's completely true. And, and then I looked up and I said, well, what are little boys made of? And they're made of snips and snails and puppy dog tails. Do you know what a snip is? I didn't either. It's a slippery eel. Little boys are made of slippery eels, snails, slimy stuff and puppy dog tail you can't even be the entire puppy you're just the tail that's back there by the bad stuff that, that's how bad little boys are and, and I know it had to be a woman it was Mother Goose that wrote this of course it was a woman that wrote this talk about destroying the, 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 the thought process of a young man I can't even be sugar and spice even though I like sugar and spice I'm a, I'm a slippery eel I mean, really? For Father's Day, I I started off with dad jokes. I I love a good dad joke. And do you know how hard it is to find a mom joke? With all of the things you can find on the Internet these days, and don't, don't search all the things that you can find on the Internet these days, but of all the things, you know, it was almost impossible for me to find a mom joke. I found a bunch of yo mama jokes, but I will not tell those this morning because those are not appropriate. Those were about the only one that I found one after the other. 
And then they would comment and they would talk back to each other. I was like, these are just, these are just horrible. These are not what we're going to celebrate on Mother's Day. But I did find a couple and, and I'm going to share these with you. And this is one of Kim's favorites. It says, why was the baby cookie so sad? Because his mama was away for so long. Yeah, see? It's a mom joke. This one was my favorite. It said, what did the mama tomato say to the baby tomato? Catch up. You know, when, when you really look at that, those could also be dad jokes because, you know, they're just things. But you, you add mom in there and they're just a little bit sweeter. And so I actually, I begin to dig and, and I begin to search. And I found what may be the quintessential example of a mom joke. And from what I was able to gather, this is an actual transcript of the greatest joke ever told by a mom. So bear with me. So these two guys walk into a bar, a cowboy and a priest. No, wait, a cowboy and a rabbi. Well, maybe it was three guys. Yes, a cowboy and a priest and a rabbi. Well, anyway, the cowboy says, hey, bartender. He's talking to the bartender. Hey, bartender, give me a, what? Hang on, maybe it was the priest that was, okay, let me start over. So these three guys walk into a bar, a cowboy, a priest, and a rabbi. The priest says to the bartender, just a second, I can't remember what the rabbi does. Well, maybe there's not even a rabbi there. I need to stop and think about this for a minute. Anyway, it's really funny, and you're going to die laughing whenever I whenever I tell you the rest of it. That's apparently the greatest mom joke that was ever told. And I can tell you that this is the truth because my wife and I had not been married for very long and she comes home from work and she tells me this joke for over 20 minutes. She gets to the punchline. Man, she's drawn me in. She gets to the punchline and says, I don't remember what happens next. (laughs) So as I'm sitting typing this, this out, I'm like, this is 100% what happened. I, I, I know what they were talking about for 20 minutes and she forgot how that it ended. Could you imagine a world that it was only men that took care of everything? I mean, God himself, I've already told you, yes, exactly. God himself looked down and said, yeah, no, we can't leave Adam in charge. It's not good for him to be alone. What he's, re- he's really saying, I can't trust Adam by himself in the garden. I've got to put someone in there to take care of him. But, I mean, Pastor was, he gave us the prime example of what it was like for a man to be alone at home and taking care of everything with his egg story. To where if you just cut the burnt part off, no one's ever going to know. And then the wife says, oh, I know. Because men, it's okay. I mean, can you imagine the difference in, in fathers and mothers is when you fall off your bike, boys, and, and you scrape your knee and dad just says put some dirt on it or my dad just put some campophonique on it and just it, that stuff lights you up and it doesn't go away. And then he says, just go. He's done. You know, he's, he's over everything that's done. And, and then you get your mom. And when mom gets it, she cleans it off. She puts the medicine on it. And then she blows on it to get rid of the fire. That's, you know, just had to. And I don't, it doesn't really work. But in your mind, it feels like, oh, mom's making everything better. That, that's the difference in, in having men running everything. And God looked down and said, I can't allow that to happen. I can't allow that to go on ladies again I tell you there's nothing on this planet like you and we honor you this morning when you walk out of here this morning I want you to know your value in the kingdom 
of God. I want you to know your value in a world that is trying its best each and every day to devalue who you are. To tell you that, that what you are as a woman does not matter anymore. To tell you that, that what you take pride in as a woman doesn't matter anymore. I, I heard a story now they're trying to say that you can have birthing people. It's not even a mother or a lady that gives. You have to say birthing people because you don't want to offend anyone and so we're trying to take everything away. Well this morning I want you to know that we celebrate you and what God has made you. As a child, I've watched the ladies in our church, and now I'm getting to the message, I promise. I've watched the ladies in our church lead us in prayer. I always knew the difference in the ladies' prayer room and the men's prayer room because the men's prayer room, for some reason, was always solemn and quiet. But you could walk down and you could hear the ladies as they were travailing before a Sunday night service, and and they were touching God. There was an emotion that was in their prayer on Tuesday nights at prayer meeting I can remember that it would be many times the ladies that were leading us in prayer they were taking us to a different place in intercession I've watched it happen in the churches that I've been a part of and I've visited how the ladies would lead us in worship how the ladies would step out when nobody else would I want you to understand that God has placed something on the inside of you that if you'll respond and allow that emotion it's nothing to be ashamed of it's something that God has allowed. There was, a, there was a pastor one day that got, finally got smart and said, well, we're just going to combine all the prayer rooms together. That way it'll sound like everybody's really praying. But you walk in and still the men. And I'm one of those guys. My wife asked me, why don't you like praying like out loud and just, ah. And I was like, because he can hear me. And then, you know, she's just, she's praying. There are moments that I do just like, it just comes out and I'm just, But every once in a while, but there's something about it that I've watched as ladies. Just there's a power in what they have. I've I've watched ladies in Louisiana. I've watched the little ladies over there that would gather and they would make peanut brittle and and they would all go in there and they would fund an entire church off peanut brittle. I've watched as they would sustain a church and sustain a building program because there was something on the inside of them that they decided we're going to join together. We're going to make a difference in what's going on. You can watch and you can see a church that that has passionate and anointed ladies. They are the ones that they are, they are allowing, they, they allow and they encourage the ladies to be in the forefront in prayer just as much as the men are. I don't know how many times that I've gotten a word of encouragement. Her name was Sister Helen and she was my Sunday school teacher back home in Louisiana. And every time I would go home to visit, it felt like she would be waiting on me almost at the door and give me a word that was right exactly where I was. Why? Because she had been in prayer. I'm telling you ladies everything about you is important in the kingdom of God. We need your prayers. We need your anointing. We need your worship. We need your passion. We need your strength. There's nothing in this world like you. Nobody touches God like you touch God. Nobody prayers, prays like you pray. Nobody reaches like you reach. There's something powerful in a woman 
There's something powerful about your sensitivity to the Spirit. There's something powerful about whenever God speaks to you. Her name was Connie in Kansas City, and she was not, she is not a pastor's wife. She's not even a preacher's wife. She's not even Pentecostal. And yet I walked into her house and she began to weep and cry and and tell me what God was dealing with her about. And she said, "I, I need you to take your shoes off. And I said, no, I'm not taking my shoes off. And she looked at me in the eye and she said, you're not going to rob me of what God has told me to do. And I said, yes, ma'am. She began to weep and began to cry. And then she began to speak to me what thus saith the word of the Lord. And she had no clue that a night before in St. Louis, there was a pastor's wife that came to me and gave me a word of God. Direct word for word of what God was confirming out there. I'm telling you, there's power. Nobody has to know. You don't have to be in a position. You just have to be sensitive to the Spirit. We don't have to have a title on your name. You don't have to be a certain age. You don't have to be too young too old I'm telling you there's a power and an anointing that rests on you there's a holiness that rests on you there's something and if you'll tap into it you can move an entire generation I, I know and I've heard it said before how that men have it easy in the Pentecostal religion because it's women that are always the ones that are out front. They are the ones with the hair and they're the ones with the dress and they're the ones with this and the ones with that and a guy can just dress in a suit and go to the store. But there's a holiness that comes in your dress. There's a holiness. There's an angel encampment that comes in your hair. There's a power that comes with that. And I'm telling you, we've got to have that. We've got to have ladies that are willing to take it and say, this is mine and nobody's going to take it away from me. This is mine and the world's not going to take it because I'm going to see my family saved. I'm going to see my family moved. I'm going to see it happen in my life. I'm going to feel the presence of God without what you have in our churches many times our churches would be dead just being honest ladies you are powerful you are warriors and again there's nobody like you your prayers can sustain a church I've watched as mothers would come to church and they had, they had worked all day and they would get their children ready and bring them while the father stayed at home. And every time there was a prayer request, a time in the service that they would lift their hands and say, would you pray for my husband? Would you pray for his salvation? And I've watched it happen for 20 years, 30 years that they would pray and they would ask God. And finally, that husband would walk in the door and their prayers had been answered. There's something about the heart of a lady. There's something about the heart of a woman that when they get a burden there's something that pushes them to a place that a man can't understand that even the priest couldn't understand because she was hungry for a child there's something on the inside I'm telling you I need you to tap into that don't be afraid of it don't hold back it's the power in your life there was one woman in the Bible that did what an entire army could not And now we are really at the title of my sermon. Sheba was the son of Bichri, and Bichri was a Benjamite, and that means he was from the tribe of Benjamin. In 2 Samuel 20, Sheba decides to lead a rebellion against David because 
David is in a weakened state because of the, the war that he has just had with Absalom, his son. And, and so David's kingdom is, is in disarray. And so Sheba decides that he's going to lead a rebellion. And he stands up in 2 Samuel 20 and says, We have no share in David, nor do we have inheritance in the son of Jesse. Every man to his tents, O Israel. He denied David's sovereignty. He devalued the identity because he was just a shepherd boy. And Jesse was just a farmer. He wanted to emphasize David's humble beginnings. And the problem is that whenever he spoke, he spoke things that were true. And so people followed. That will happen. Whenever someone's speaking something, sometimes it can be true but in the wrong spirit. And if you follow that, you're going to be following away from what God is really trying to do in the house of God. You can have an attitude about someone and you can think that everything you're saying is true and yet you can cause discord and dis- and division. And, and, and Sheba took ten tribes away from Israel. David has another war on his hands now and He gets Amasa, his nephew, the military commander, and says, I want you to go stop this rebellion. Well, that didn't end so well for him because Amasa was killed by Joab because Amasa waited. He really wasn't fit for the job. He was actually a general from the other war. And finally we find that Joab is tracking down Sheba to the city of Abel. And the Bible says that They besiege the city and they're about to destroy it. An entire city for one man. That's how serious they took this situation. And one woman gets the attention of an entire army. One woman gets the attention of an army that no one else either cared to get or they were too afraid to get the attention. She makes a deal with Joab, and this is all that the Bible says about her. Then a wise woman cried out from the city, Here, here, please say to Joab, Come nearby that I may speak with you. We do not even know her name. Ladies, there are times that you feel like that maybe you take, you take second fiddle, so to speak, or, or you sit back and, and, and everything that you're going through and everything that you're facing and everything that you're dealing with, that nobody really knows the pain, but I'm here to tell you that God sees everything that you're doing. God is blessing everything that you're doing. Don't give up. Don't give in because there's something you can do that an entire army can't do. And she says, if you'll just hold off for 24 hours I'll send his head over the wall and we find within 24 hours she takes the head of Sheba and she throws it over the wall and what an entire army couldn't do this lady could do and we don't even know her name but you want to know who does know her name and this is the part that excited me the ones that do know her name are the children that she saved The ones that know her name are the ladies and the men that were too afraid to call out to the army that was there. They know her name. They told her stories. Everything that she had done. Everything that she had been a part of. How she went on the wall. I'm telling you, everybody in the world may not know your name, but the one sitting beside you will know your name. The one that you tell that you love them will know their name. The child that you reach down and touch them with an affectionate hand that maybe mom and dad at home does 
present. They're going to know your name. The one that you reach out to and tell them that you care. I can't tell you how many times I'd be in the altar and there was a Sunday school teacher that would come and just laugh, wrap their arms around me and tell me, it's all right, Greg. You can have it. You can have it. You can have it. They've never spoke at general conference. They've never been anywhere that anyone would know them. I can tell you their name right now. I've already said Sister Helen, and nobody really knows who she is, but I do. I can tell you Sister Carpenter, how she explained that God wants to give me the Holy Ghost. As bad as I want the greatest present I've ever had in my life, that's the present that he wants to give to me. You don't even know who Sister Carpenter is, but she cared enough to speak to me. And this morning, I'm here to tell you that you can be a wise woman and speak into someone else's life you can be a wise woman and care for someone else and pass it on to them pass that passion on pass that prayer life on teach me how to pray teach me how to worship teach me how to care that's why I say there's nothing like you there's nothing like you saying this morning, please do not feel insignificant. I'm saying you're powerful. I'm giving you permission, so to speak, to use your gifts. Allow him to operate through you. God made you completely opposite, but completely equal. The church is the bride of Christ. There's a reason that it's the bride Because we complete him. There's something about the hunger of a bride. There's something about the hunger of a mother. There's something about the hunger of a lady that says, in spite of everything that I feel, I'm going to make a difference. I'm trying to tell you to keep doing it. The world may never know your name, but I will. Sister that has come to me and told me how you were excited that we are here Everyone doesn't have to know, but I know. There have been times that that I've just wondered, are they really, are they really? And then she would come to me and she would tell me, I'm excited you're here. We're excited about what God's doing. No one was around. There was no fanfare. But for me, it was like all of heaven opened and someone gave me a word of encouragement. I'm telling you, keep doing what you're doing. Can we stand? I'm finishing. So we'd come to the music. You are a wise woman. Tommy was six years old and he was separated from his mother in the supermarket. I can also relate to this story because there have been times my mother likes to tell the story of how that I was hiding inside a rack of clothes. You know, the circles. I was hiding inside a rack of clothes while she was looking for me and crying and you know, the wonderful things that little boys that are made of eels and snails and puppy dog tails. Maybe there's a reason they say that about us. So I could relate to, to Tommy's story as, as Tommy is standing there and he begins to frantically yell out, Martha! He walks a little further, Martha! Martha! His mother comes running to him quickly and She begins to wipe the tears from his chubby little cheeks. And finally she says, honey, you shouldn't call me Martha. I'm mom. Do you? 
he looks at her and he says, I know, but this store is full of moms and there's only one you. <laughs> this morning, this church is full of ladies. Some are mothers and some are not, but there's only one you. This morning, there's nobody that can take your place. There's no one that can encourage like you can encourage. There's no one that can smile like you can smile. There's no one that can hug like you can hug. And apparently, we're almost about to be able to hug again. I mean, apparently, at the 4th of July, everything's just going to be fine, and we can just come and join family. There's nobody that can hug like you can hug. Sister Leach, I look at you, and you'll give me a smile or a laugh. Every once in a while, you'll raise your eyebrow, and I'll know, oh, I need to go. There's nobody like you. There's nobody that encourages me like you. There's nobody because you're you. You're special. I can say that about each and every one of you. There's nobody like you pastor could stand behind this pulpit and tell story after story how that each one of you have spoken something to him or done something for him to bless him and strengthen him and it's always in a different way because you're so unique but it's that uniqueness that makes you who you are there's only one you they're going to sing a song the Lord bless you and keep you And we're going to just, while they're singing that, ladies, we have 30 bags up here. So if you would like to come down while they're singing the song and just take a bag that has a small gift of appreciation and just thanking you for being here this morning. And ladies, if you don't feel like it, you can send one of the boys down here and they can grab the bag for you. But as they begin to sing, I just... I just want to pray a prayer as you come down that God would bless you, that he would keep you, that he would strengthen you, that he would encourage you. God, you see each and every lady that is in this house. You see the, you have made them each and every one unique. God, I'm asking that you would touch them, that you would strengthen them, that you would encourage them that you would give them a boldness that they would walk in a newness of life like they've never walked in it before because God you have called them to the kingdom for such a time as this they can make a difference they are making a difference God I'm asking that you would touch them you can come down and just you can grab a bag yes you can start yes ma'am see now everybody else, she broke the ice. Come grab your bag. Cameron, she's breaking the ice. You're the prettiest lady in here, Cameron. Oh, turn Jesus. Hey.